So we are in the middle of a series called Holy Spirit. Um, and essentially, we are using Acts chapter, or Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, as a frame for what we're hoping to do. And, and Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 2 says this. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road to the interior and arrived, arrived at Ephesus. So the book of Acts is essentially talking about the early church and the spread of this Jesus movement. And what starts off is this small group of people in, in a backwater village um, in, in Nazareth and, and all these surrounding communities outside of Jerusalem has begun to spread to the rest of the Roman Empire. And it's beginning to spread at a rather rapid rate. And so there are all these churches being planted. And so Paul goes to the interior and and he goes to visit one of the churches in Ephesus. And there he found some disciples of Jesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their response was, no, we, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, most of us have, if we were around church, we've grown up in church, we've heard about the Holy Spirit, possibly, probably. Um, some of you, if you're new to church, you're like, this is weird. Like, everything else, like, Jesus kind of makes sense. He loved people. He fed the hungry. But this whole Holy Spirit thing seems a bit odd. Um, others of you have heard of the Holy Spirit, but it's not something you really comprehend or understand. And so what we're trying to do with this series is um, a, a few people have come up to me afterwards and it's like, are you going to get into the doctrine of this, that, or the other? And like, no, that's not the point. We're just trying to give an introduction um, to the, the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so what we did in week one, we tackled, um, we tackled actually the word spirit, and we said in Scripture, the better translation is not Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. The better translation is, is wind um, or breath of God. And we believe that the Spirit is the wind in our spiritual sails, that without the Spirit in our life, it's going to be impossible to continue um, strong in our spiritual journey. And then last week, we talked about the root word of Pentecostal. Um, and the word we said is, um, is Pentecost. And um, uh, uh, Pentecost is simply a Jewish holiday. Um, and Pentecost simply means 50 days after Passover, um, which turns out it's not that spooky. Um, 50 days after Passover. And, and, uh, and, and on the day of Pentecost, the, the, the Spirit came and rested on the disciples and, and then they went out in, in the power of the Spirit. And we said simply this, that the Pentecost power, Pentecost power is about being empowered to do God's mission in the world. It's not about anything spooky or weird, right? Sometimes people give, um, the, Pente uh, give the Spirit a bad name. And what we said is uh, the Spirit isn't weird, people are just weird. And um, it's a true story. Um, today, I know it's hard to believe, today I want to explore another word often associated um, with the Spirit, and that's charismatic. Uh, have, how many of you grew up in a church that would have considered itself charismatic? A few of you? Yeah, we've got like one on the front row. Um, so the, the word charismatic is something that often gets um, thrown around. And, and the nerd inside of me, the geek inside of me, wants to explain to you the difference between Pentecostal and charismatic and the Jesus movement and like third wave charismatics. But we're not going to um, because it really is interesting to no one other than me. And if you want to know about that, buy me dinner. No, buy me a drink. Um, and then I'll be way more free in what I explain. Um, so essentially what we believe is that there are three gifts of God. And, and people, people want to um, get in arguments and talk about, do they come all at the same moment? Is there one gift that comes and then there's a subsequent gift? I don't care. That's not the point. But we believe that there are three gifts from God. And the first gift is eternal life. 
Now, we could do an entire series on the word eternal life. It gets misused and abused all the time. And for much of church history, or at least recent church history, eternal life has simply meant this, that you say a prayer, and then when you die, you don't go to the bad place. That's kind of what eternal life means, and you live with Jesus forevermore. But a scriptural understanding of eternal life is much deeper. It is not simply um, some future off space where you hang out with God and like play harps for the rest of eternity. But, but it is an understanding and a knowledge of, of God who is eternal. It is, it is God's kingdom, God's future life has come into the present. Right? This is why Nicodemus comes to Jesus late at night under the cover of darkness and says, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? He was not asking, what must I do to float on, on clouds and play harps for the rest of life? But one of the gifts that God promises us is eternal life. And eternal life is tied to this. And I just quickly, like, it is a freedom from the power of sin, right? It is moving from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I love this line I heard from a pastor um, recently that said this, sin should break our hearts because sin breaks people, right? Someone, someone came to me once and says, like, well, shouldn't the church, like, toss the idea of sin? It seems that it's a very shaming concept. And my belief is actually, no, we actually need to recover and talk about sin more often because sin is breaking the hearts and the lives of people. And one of the beauties of the gospel is we, we believe that people do not have to be trapped. We can be liberated from the power of sin in our lives. The brokenness... Well, we all know that there is brokenness in the world. We all know that there is brokenness in our own lives unless we are, there's something like a little off, right? All of us understand that there's a brokenness in our lives and in the world. That's not the hard thing. The hard thing is, is, a, is a word of hope for the future. And we believe that Jesus is that hope. So the first, the first gift that God gives us is the eternal life. The second gift that God gives us is the gift of the Spirit. We read in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Third gift is the gift um, which, where we find the word charismatic or charisma. And the root of charisma is simply this, it is charis. Charis is grace, grace and charisma is just free gift of grace. It, it is a free, is free gift of grace. And, and all throughout scripture, particularly the New Testament, you find the word charismita, charismita which simply means spiritual gifts. But, but this, is the, this is the part um, where I, I, this is the part you don't care about, I care about, but I am going to geek out just for a second. So the idea of charisma or charismatic, um, it, it comes from this, this Greek word that we find in the New Testament, um, charisma, which is just simply gifts of the Holy Spirit that we've been empowered with. But the idea gets picked up because today we often talk about someone having charisma or being a charismatic individual, or we talk about politicians or people with particular power as just having a charisma, an ability, a kind of a power over other people. And so in, in, uh, there, was a, there was a German theologian, um, Rudolf uh, Somm, Rudolf Somm, who picks up the idea of charisma that he finds in scripture, and he says that the early church was a charismatic organization, meaning that their structure, as a, as a, their, their organizational structure was very loose, and that it was, they were empowered by the gifts of the spirit, right? That's what drove them. So there were no clergy, there were no hierarchies, all it was was a group of people who were leaning into the gifts that the spirit had given them when they began to follow Jesus. And then he contrasts that from what happens 
happens later as the church begins to grow, where it moves from um, this, a group of people who are empowered by the Spirit, and they're operating out of their gifts, right? There's really nothing that separates clergy and regular folk. And then he says, as we move along, we end up with bureaucracy, um, and bureaucracy becomes where you begin to lead out of law and hierarchy and structure, which is how we end up with like a professional class of clergy, which is how we end up with the structures throughout a thousand years of church history that end up leading to no one being able to read scripture for themselves, but it being held in the hands of a treasured few who had been conferred gifts by God, which is what then the reformers are responding against in 1600 or thereabouts with Martin Luther and his 95 theses. But here's where I find it interesting. Uh, Max Weber, for like the two of you who know who Weber is, Weber comes up with a modern idea of, demo, uh, uh, anyway, I'm not gonna go. Weber, for those of you who know, Weber picks up on his idea of charismatic authority from this, this theologian, Rudolf Somm. And Weber said there's different types of organizational leaders, right? There's, there's, a, there's a charisma where the person is endowed with power, with just something about them, and they lead from that. And then there's um, organizations where you lead from authority. Um, and so he's comparing and contrasting them. But I just thought it was fascinating that he pulls his idea. The modern usage of the word charisma or charismatic that we know, like we're like, that person really has a lot of charisma, um, is rooted um, in this understanding of scriptural understanding of charisma. But what happens is instead of it being like a power that's in, given a gift from God um, for the work of God, um, it becomes about, it's a power that becomes about us, right? We just, we just are a, a special, unique individual and then we use that power for ourselves. Okay, I, that was off, but I think it's interesting. You don't, it's okay. Um, the whole idea of charisma I'm getting back on track. Morse from something conferred as a gift of the spirit to a magnetism internal to our person. But what the scriptural understanding of charisma is this, it is a spiritual gift. And from the beginning of the Jesus movement, there was a belief that when you became a follower of Jesus, that you were given a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12:4 says it this way. Now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so even from the, Jesus, the earliest Jesus movement, there was a lot of confusion about spiritual gifts. And it's one of the things actually I've really struggled with even in my own spiritual journey um, because I'm like, what are my spiritual gifts and how do my spiritual gifts, how do they differ from my natural abilities, right? There are some things that you are just naturally good at. And, and, and one of the things I think that's gone wrong with the modern church is that a lot of people are just they're leading from a natural ability, right? There are people who are just ridiculously talented and they really frustrate me. Um, but the problem is, is then we begin to build organizations and followings around people's natural abilities instead of their spiritual giftings, the thing that God has empowered them to do. And so I wanna talk a bit more um, about spiritual gifts. The other reason that there's some confusion around spiritual gifts is because some people grew up in traditions um, where, where it would be called the cessationist, cessationist churches. Anyone grew up in a cessationist church? Essentially, like, they believe in spiritual gifts. Like, that was a thing, right? Yes, it's in the Bible. I, I know it's there. But when the final apostle died, the spiritual gifts died, right? That was like a gift for a season, but now it's not for us. But that's not biblical because the, the, all throughout the New Testament, there is this understanding that 
that if we are followers of Jesus, that there will be spiritual gifts that are conferred upon us. In fact, there are 27 different gifts listed in the New Testament. Faith and mercy and teaching and apostles and helps, the gifts of helps and administration. And then, of course, there's the big one that really trips a lot of people up, the gift of tongues. And Paul says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Right? This gifting that you've been bestowed is not about you. It is about others. It's about it is about the world. It is about the common good. Um, one translation says it, the, this gifting, the Spirit has given you this gifting so we can help each other. But I actually like the idea that the Spirit has given us gifts for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. And at the table we believe that if you are a Christian... God has given you a spiritual gift and that there is an assignment, there is a responsibility attached to it. In our community, there are no special people. We believe that we are all on the same level. In fact, one of the things that's even just been a bit of a struggle to me um, has been to assume the title and the role of pastor. People are like, hey, Pastor Kevin. I'm like, it's just Kev, right? You know, like I, I don't want to be set apart. And, and, there, and, and I'm actually coming to realize that there is a power and a gift of having a pastor, right? We need pastoral roles. But, but we've kind of moved... There's been a fear and a hesitancy within my own, my own psyche around that because I don't want us to see, to fall into the trap that there's like a special class of people that have access, special access to God, right? There will be times when things are going wrong and people are like, hey, I really need you, not me, Kevin, the normal, ordinary guy, but I need you as the pastor to pray for me because there's like some sort of special access to God, right? I was hanging out with some friends once and a storm came in. It was not the camping trip I talked about at Easter, but it was almost as bad. And a storm came in and my friends all turned to me and said, hey, would you be willing to say a prayer to God that the storm would stop? And I'm like, I'm happy to say a prayer, but just so you know, my prayer, because I am a pastor, have no more like weight with God than your prayers, we believe that all of us have been given gifts. We've just been given different, different gifts, and we are exercising those gifts. So, for example, when we hire someone on staff at the table, the person we hire, their whole goal is to equip other people to live into their gifts. It is not because they are some special person or their gifts are any more important than anyone else's gifts. My gifts are that of leadership, teaching, and being an apostle. An apostle simply means someone that starts churches. Like, it is just the thing that I have been gifted with. And for whatever reason, or, or just because, right, if you're going to start churches, as a, you should probably make that your vocation. But that doesn't make that gifting any more unique or special than someone who's got a gift of administration or the gifts of helps or the gifts of mercy and works another job during the middle of the day. And one of the fascinating things about the early Jesus movement was that God's spirit was poured out on everyone. And this is something they really struggled to, to get their minds around because there was this Jesus movement that was very Jewish in its, its like beginning. It begins in Jerusalem. And, and then the Spirit moves, and in the earliest, the earliest uh, church, right, the Spirit is being poured out on everyone, people that were seen as being outside the family of God, outside the confines of who was in and who was out. They were also receiving the gifts of the Spirit, 
And one of the things that's been central to our community since the day we launched is this belief, like I said, that everyone has the gifts of the Spirit, and it is not simply about a few people. The church, listen, the church should not look like its pastor. Now, I, I guard the vision that God, I believe God has given us for this community. Like, I guard it very strongly. Like, I think God has given us a unique vision, a unique calling as a community. But our community should not look like my gifts. It should never be a community built around one person or two people. It should, it should look like the gifts of the people that God has placed within our community. And I believe that God has put gifts inside each and every one of you. And as I look towards like the future of ministry, as I look towards the table in the next five years, it, for me, the thing that makes me excited is not simply building a great church. We hope we're a decent church. But it's not building a great church, but it's about building great people. It's about being a community where people discover their giftings, where they're called to follow Jesus. They discover their giftings, and then they're empowered to put those gifts into practice. Last quarter, one of the things that we've developed um, to help you discover your giftings is called the Next Steps Track. And so on the first Sunday of every month, we have a class called Leading, uh, uh, Making the Table Home, where we just figure before you like, move any further, you should figure out if we're weird and you want to keep hanging around. So that's where we answer all the secret questions. So you want to go to that class on the first Sunday of every month. And then the second Sunday of every month, we have a class called Discovering Your Purpose, where we are trying to help you just begin to scratch the surface of figuring out the purpose, the reason that God created you. And then on the third Sunday of every month, we have a class called Leading at the Table, where we're like, okay, great, now that you've discovered your gift or are beginning to discover your gift, now we want to help you to put that gift into practice. And here is what leadership looks like in our community. And then we want to help you move from there to actually beginning to exercise and practice your gifts. And I don't, I mean, there are some pastors, just between me and you, there are some pastors who use spiritual gifts as manipulation to get people to serve in the church, right? You just need to know that, right? They need you to, they need you to serve coffee. And so then they tell you that your hospitality is your spiritual gifting. I'm just going to ask you to serve coffee because I need somebody to serve coffee sometimes. The beauty, the the. It, in our perfect world, right, it, you have the gift of hospitality and, and you are alive when you're serving coffee and it's not a drudgery. But there's sometimes we just need coffee served. But for us, it's not simply about getting you to exercise your gifts within the community. I hope you can exercise your gifts within our community. But it's for the sake of the world. I hope that you discover giftings here that then help you serve in other places. In fact, I had someone call me recently from a local nonprofit and say that um, people from your church have started giving um, and to our organization and investing and volunteering in our organization. And they said that you told them they should invest and give to places beyond the church. And I just wanted to talk to you because I have not heard, heard anyone really say that before. Right? We, it's not, the gifts that God gives us is not simply about serving this community. They are, it's part of it, right? There's, there's something about when we come together and we exercise our gifts in the context of community where we then discover other giftings as we come into contact with other believers and we find out things about ourselves we didn't know that we had, but it's not simply about serving in this community. Does that make sense? Okay, oh, what I was gonna tell you, last quarter, we had 93 people go through the growth track, which is just incredible. Um, some of them were just interns passing through the city. That's okay, 
I hope they discovered their gift and they can go back home and put it into practice. The other thing, that this is the type of thing that just makes me ridiculously excited, is we had 17 people step into leadership roles here at the table. So not just like leading teams here, but helping to lead our food ministries and our justice ministries. Last, last um, I don't know what night it was, sometime this past week, all my days ran together, but we were part of a win action, which is this... Um, social justice organization that really puts pressure on elected officials um, around immigrant rights and affordable housing. And so we met with the city council candidates for Ward 1, and our church had 36 people who showed up on like a Tuesday or Wednesday night for two and a half hours in the basement of a Catholic church. And, And to be honest, I did not want to go because it was two and a half hours on a whatever night it was. But here's when I walked in the room, there was a power in the room, not simply because of all the people gathered there because they cared about immigrant rights and people having affordable housing, but there were people, tons of people who couldn't speak English. There were Spanish Christians or Christians who spoke Spanish and there were Christians from historic black churches and there are all these different Christians from the body of Christ and we came together and we were one and we're unified as one and we said, look, we have absolutely nothing in common but we believe that, that God wants to, to do something. Believe, we believe that God wants justice in our community. We believe that God cares about immigrants. We believe that people should be able to have a roof over their head. Anyway, that wasn't the point of the sermon, but I thought that was just incredible. The other thing, the other thing around, around gifting and spiritual giftings is, is at the table, we, as we, we hope that you develop into a, a leader and not simply so that you can serve in our community, And not simply so you can serve to bring about the common good in the broader community, but I believe that as you learn to lead in the context of your local church community, that God begins to strengthen and build you as a leader who can lead even in the workplace. Um, One of the things that gets me so excited is when a young person comes to our our church, because, because of where we are and who we are, we just, our, 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 our median age skews lower. And so we have a lot of people who are 23 and they just arrived in the city and they are scared and they're alone and they just took their first job and they've never led anything or done anything before in their life. And they come and we discover that they have a spiritual gift that really aligns with the need of our community. And so then they begin to use that gifting and then God begins to, through that, build them into a leader and the gifts and the skills they learn here, they're able to then take into the workplace and then God is able to give them favor throughout the rest of the week and the job that they do Monday through Friday, right? Because some people are like, I've never led a team before, and then they come and they're head of the hospitality team, and they've got like six or seven people reporting to them. That's just so cool. Anyway, um, back to the spiritual gifts. The definition of spiritual gifts is this. This is the definition I want to use. It is a special endowment for God given to the followers of Jesus so that together we can carry out God's works, God's work in the world. When you are living into your spiritual gifting, there are times, and this isn't always, but there are times when you just feel this connection with the divine where you're like, this is not me, but this is God's power, God's spirit working through me. I mean, some of you experience that when you're, um, when you're serving coffee. Right? It, uh, to others, it's just serving coffee, but to you, like, you are offering a cup of warm coffee in Jesus' name. And there's just, and in that moment, that moment of hospitality, you just feel a connection to the Spirit. There are moments when I am up here preaching that I just feel like this is not me, that there's something, God is doing something through me. There's, there are moments when, when the worship team is up there and something just connects and you can tell they are not operating out of their power, they're operating out of God's power. There are moments when I watch, when I watch the, 
people in the kids program caring for kids and and I can tell that like this isn't just simply people like doing a program on Sunday this isn't babysitting like this is God working through them to make a difference in the life of a child that will carry on into the future it is about legacy like the things we're doing anyway so as we begin to live into our giftings we feel the power of God on us the other thing is When we use our spiritual gifts, particularly when we use them in the context of community, we begin to discover new things about ourselves because we are better together. Often, you you discover your gifting when you discover somebody else who has a compatible gift. You had this gift, but you never knew it until it comes into contact with someone who has a compatible gift. This is why Paul, in the New Testament, uses the language of the body. He's like, the, 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 the hand without the arm isn't a lot of good, and the arm without the shoulder isn't a lot of of use either. But you take the hand and the arm and the shoulder, and you put the three of them together, and something remarkable can happen. So Paul's constantly saying, look, we are the body. We can't have the hand without the arm. We can't have this gift without this gift. We are better together. We are made for each other. Romans 12, 6 says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. But we come together for a reason, and that's to advance God's purposes or God's mission in the world. God has given us a mission, a reason for living, a reason to exist. And we believe that you won't be fully fulfilled until you are living on purpose. And so just quickly, I, I want to like give you three practical steps. Number one, I hope that you'll discover the gifts that God has given you. Like that you'll find that you'll find a way go to the second or go to the class on the second Sunday of the month, read a book, go back and read all the different passages about spiritual spiritual gifts. There's there's tests you can take online. Like take the step to discover your spiritual giftings. And because one of the things is, like, some of you have spiritual gifts you didn't even know was a spiritual gift. One of my favorite stories is Jessica Breslin, who's our executive pastor. She took the next steps track. She went to Discover, and she found out that, like, admin was a spiritual gift. And she's like, no one ever told me that admin was a spiritual gift. And, and she's like, I've been told basically for most of my life that if I wanted to serve, I had to, like, serve coffee or I had to, to help with kids. And she's not really good at either. And um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But she's like, I didn't know that was a spiritual gift. Right? There's a gift of helps. There's a gift of mercy. There are these spiritual giftings that we have that we don't even realize because we haven't really done the work. We haven't dug, dug in. Um, there are people who walk into this room. This is one of the things I love. There are people who walk into this room and because their gift is of administration or something similar to that, they walk in and the chairs are askew. Right? They walk in, the chairs are kind of askew and they just have to go and straighten the chairs. There's someone else, someone in the hand, back just raised their hand. Um, someone sent me one of my favorite emails. I don't know if, if the person's here um, this morning, but someone sent me an email. It's like, I was sitting in service and I counted that those, those, those hipster lights around the sanctuary, 16 of the bulbs are out. Can I do something to help make that better? Because I'm not going to keep going to church here if you don't fix that. Um, but, but then another person will walk into the exact same room, someone with the gift of mercy, and they'll notice the person sitting by themselves. 
And what I think we do sometimes is we elevate one gift over another, and so we act as if the person who walks in and notices that the chairs are askew, if they are somehow less spiritual, less like Jesus, because they didn't notice the person sitting by themselves. No, we have different giftings. And we, when we come together, we are better together. Two people in the same room, God created you that way, and one isn't wrong, we need both of you. Um, there's, a, there's a woman who uh, heads up our care program who for a long time was, uh, helped uh, create hospitable spaces. Um, her name's Ashley Close. Um, I can't tell you how many people have told us that they are still at our church today because somebody remembered their name. And, and that's the legacy of Ashley um, and her just passion for people. Right? She, when she came to the, the table, she said, I was alone in the city and it was the scariest thing ever. And so I didn't ever want anyone else to feel alone. Like she was operating out of her spiritual gift. On the other hand, there's this guy by the name of Joe McGill. I don't know if many of you know Joe. He goes to the downtown location. He did not come back because Ashley remembered his name. He's like, I don't care if you remember my name. He, he said, I did come back because someone made sure the chairs are straight because he's like, every, he's like, I want to visit another church and everything was so chaotic. And he's like, I literally cannot worship in this space because it's so crazy, right? And so someone doing good administration, helping things run well is the reason he's here, right? Different people, different gifts connect with different people. And what happens is we look at other people sometimes and think, oh, I wish I was like them, but if we were all the same, the world would be so boring. We are each gifted differently, and together we are beautiful. So you need to find your gifts. So how do you find your gifts? Go to the next steps track. Um, read a book. And what we believe is that God's design in you reveals God's destiny for you. God's design in you reveals God's destiny for you. Number two, develop the gifts that God has given you. Now, this is, an under, this is where I didn't understand it or where I misunderstood spiritual gifts. I just assumed that if you had spiritual gifts, like you were, you would, it was as good as it was going to get. But what I've come to realize is just because you have a spiritual gift doesn't mean that you don't need to develop that spiritual gift. So, for example, one of the gifts that I have is the gift of teaching. And I still remember early on when we planted the church, someone took me to coffee. And they meant this to be a comp. Actually, I don't know how they meant it. What they said was, one-on-one, -on -one, you are one of the most compelling people I've ever met. But when you preach on Sunday, I don't have any, I have no idea what you're saying because the gift of teaching was somewhere hidden below poor communication and all these different other things, right? My inability to be a linear thinker, right? When I, like, I love scripture and I love revealing scripture to people. But I had some other issues, some challenges, things I needed to develop. That didn't mean I didn't have the gift of teaching. That gift was there, but that gift had to be developed. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to anyone? Okay. Um, the other thing is that your giftings, the reason you develop your giftings, the reason you pay attention to your giftings, your giftings shift. I don't mean to pick on uh, uh, Jessica this morning, but you know, when Pastor Jessica started here, her gift was administration, and then she used that gift faithfully for two to three years, and then recently retook a spiritual gifts assessment and realized that her giftings had shifted. Right? God is beginning to use her in a new and a unique and different way. There are gifts for seasons. They aren't static. Some of you think, well, I have this gift. Well, that gift will be the same gift that I have forever. No, God, God gave you that gifting for a season, 
for a moment. For some of you, that gift may stay with you for the rest of your lives, but for others of you, it may have been the gift that was needed at the moment. Without the gift of admin, we would not be where we are today if Jessica hadn't used that gift in our community. But I think that God has bigger and more amazing things in store for her and then beginning to shift the giftings in her life. Sorry to keep putting you on the spot today, Jessica. Now, here's the other thing. There's nothing wrong with desiring other gifts. Now, you don't want to just desire other gifts so you can be like other people because you think they're more spiritual. But there's also something like, you know what, like beginning to pray, God, I, I wish you would give me the gift of mercy. I want the gift of mercy or I want the gift of teaching or whatever that gift is. 1 Corinthians, or Corinthians, uh, 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says it this way. Follow the way of love, right? As a follower of Jesus, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So as a Jesus follower, walk in the way of love and then just begin to, God has given you gifts, but you've got to discover those gifts. And so just begin to seek out what those gifts are. We are all supposed to follow the way of love as Jesus followers, but we are also called to desire and long for the spiritual gifts that God has given us. And for some of you, there is a gift that is deep with inside of you that you need to fan, that you need to develop. Number three, use the gifts that God has given you. For many of us, there is a gifting inside of us that maybe needs to be fanned, but there is a gifting deep inside of us that is lying dormant. That God wants to use to make our community better. God wants to use that gift to make a difference in our neighborhood. God wants to use that gift to make a difference in the life of another person that you are around. 1 Peter 4, uh, 10 through 11 says this. God has given gifts to each of you from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. And so I just encourage you to use the gifting, discover the gifts, develop the gifts, and then use the gifts. In my own life, it has been hard for me to embrace my spiritual gifts. It's just true. Um, when I accepted the call to become a pastor, even when I discovered that I had these particular giftings, uh, I would look, I would compare myself to other people. I know none of the rest of you do that. This is like a problem that I have. 